In this morning's show, we are joined by Asian fund management industry consultant Stuart Walcroft. Good morning, Stuart. And good morning to you, Nitin. It's been a while since we've spoken together. It has uh, been a long time. I'm looking forward to today's chat. And by Barry Wood, who is RCHK's international economics correspondent. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Nitin. So, I mean, there's a lot of news that we can cover. I mean, we can talk about the speaker, which I'm sure we will cover later. (laughs) Um, But let's start with the uh, mixed earnings overnight, although although the overall tone was positive. Um, will those earnings keep market performance uh, or help market performance or will it actually be a catalyst for maybe more rate hikes and therefore lead to investor worries? Um, so I'll start with you. Well, I think, that, I mean, first of all, let's, let's look at the, the market. The market is dominated by what is now called the Magnificent Seven. So um, at this point, I'm expecting the Elmer Bernstein uh, music from the film to come on the background. But it's not really the the film, but it is stocks. Apple, Microsoft, Meta, Amazon, Alphabet, NVIDIA, and Tesla, all technology stocks that have been uh, supporting the S&P 500 and and global stocks. They uh, represent... Uh, a significant proportion now of all stocks uh, and and the gains that have been made by the index this year. Um, if you look at uh, the, their value as a whole, I mean, they, they, they are just uh, so big, um, something like 40% of the index. So it's, uh, it, it, it's dominated by that. But what that has also meant is that the value of other stocks that have been part of the U.S. indices have actually fallen uh, relatively since the beginning of the year. And, um, and, and so that is really what the picture is. And it, it reflects perhaps that the markets, particularly in the U.S., um, and, and the rest of the world are, are influenced by the U.S., but particularly in the U.S., are being totally dominated by technology. The technology is still delivering in the eyes of the, of the investors, and uh, at this stage, there doesn't look to be too much to, to make a change to that before the end of this year. Yep, I agree. I think Stuart's got it right. Magnificent 7 tech is dominating the market. But uh, we may get a jump because these earnings are better than expected. Uh, I think that uh, there's a lot that um, is positive. To answer your question, Nitin, about further rate increases, it's only a week now until the Federal Reserve meets again. I don't think so. I think that uh, there's an awareness in the Fed that another rate hike would uh, really upset the market because there is some negative news, which includes... You've got a General Motors, Ford, Stellantis, auto workers strike that has cost billions. And you've got uh, also a genuine slowdown in the economy, despite the fact that we may see a GDP report coming on Thursday that says the economy in the third quarter was growing at, um, what, three, maybe even four, maybe even five percent. That'll be a stunning number if that happens. But... The signs of slowdown are all around, and I think that particularly in housing, both uh, commercial property and residential. So, no, I don't think there's going to be a rate increase, and I don't think there's going to be a sustained bounce in share prices. 
Okay. Um, yeah, you, got, you, you do talk about it. In fact, it is large caps and say the mid caps and the small caps have not performed at all. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 get, I get that. Um, so, yeah, so why, should, why don't we move on then to what's going on now with Tom Hammer just deciding that he's now not going to take the speaker role? Is, what crisis is going on now? <laughs> it seems every time I speak well, to Barry, it's about the speaker and the fact they can't come to a decision. Yes, isn't it amazing? It's been over three weeks that this has gone on, and now uh, we can add yet another name to the uh, list of losers. Start with Kevin McCarthy, then it goes to Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, and now add the name Tom Emmer. You know, we don't even know these last two names until this debacle. And now the Republican caucus in the House is back to square one. They don't know when they'll have their next vote. They don't have any names to put forward. 24 hours ago, we were talking about nine different candidates. I think a dark horse in all of this might be Kevin McCarthy. But uh, we shall see. It's an embarrassment, not just to the Republicans in the House, but to the country at large. Actually, Barry, I mean, one of the things that I've been thinking about since we last spoke on this is the fact that this is a very good opportunity for the Democrats to actually get who they want to have as the House Speaker. Um, clearly, they have voted against all the previous um, uh, 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 candidates. But if we get, for example, a candidate that the, that the Democrat Party is uh, comfortable with, and they vote in favour of it, and, and one would assume that the majority of Republicans vote in favour of it, then, then it's a slam dunk for that person. Um, so uh, I think this is, there, there's a certain, obviously there is a certain amount of political intrigue going on here, but it is also a way for the Democrats to get whoever they want to have in, in, in that role. And that hasn't yet happened. That Clearly none of the candidates put forward has been in, uh, in any way acceptable to the Democrats. Well, I think, Stuart, that's a heroic assumption <laughs> that is not going to be fulfilled. Now, there's no precedent for Democrats voting for any Republicans. Yeah. And uh, the Republicans have the majority. That means that the Democrats are not going to have Mr. Hakeem Jeffries from New York win as speaker. Now, it's true. We don't know how this is all going to end up. You don't have to be a member of the Congress to be elected speaker. We haven't heard those names. But so far, we can say that among the Republicans, it's really been a contest of whether Donald Trump approves of these candidates or not. He did not approve of Mr. Emmer. He did approve of Mr. Jordan, but neither one of them could win. So. Again, it's square zero, and maybe people in Washington should listen to you, Stuart. They're not yeah. so far. Yeah, well, maybe Donald Trump should put himself up, or maybe that's just too much work for him to do. <laughs> I thought he did, didn't he say he was happy to do it for part-time? So. Yes, of course, as um, long as he got paid properly. <laughs> yeah, but surely there's got to be some urgency at this point, because, I mean, you're slowing of spending, and there's a whole load of um, issues that need to be resolved, and you're going to hurt the country in the long run if you don't get this sorted out, is that, you know? Yeah, but that's, well, that's true, that Nitin. Before, haven't we, many times with, with, yes, with this we particular have. situation, and I don't think, um, I don't think any of the senators involved really care too much, frankly. Um, they're right. Much, they're much more interested in their own petty, petty politics than, than they are in the country politics. 
Right. I think that you've got that certainly right, Stuart. But uh, I think, Nissen, the only deadline that really has some significance would be mid-November. That's when there has to be some action by the House to avoid a government shutdown. We've been there so many times. But that would be the first deadline. And that's what? Two, three weeks away. Okay. Um, so should we move on to Meta and the effect it has on mental health? Um, so sure. 33 states are suing Meta. Um, what, what's your take on that? Uh, let's start with you, Stuart. Um, I'm not sure that I follow you. I say Meta platforms being sued by 33 states because it seems to be affecting the mental health of youth. Ah, uh, right, OK. Well, you know, this is typical of the litigious society, isn't it, <laughs> that they look for any opportunity to try to sue. Um, I, I'm not sure that there is going to be much in this um, personally. Yeah, I think you've got that right, Stuart. Look, this is uh, interesting. I think that's as, about as far as it goes. No one would doubt that young people get hooked on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, I don't think anything will come of this. But uh, Stuart is correct. This is the way American society often attacks a problem they can't resolve legislatively. They sue. So if you're going to say that... Um, uh, Instagram and, and Facebook uh, have all of these uh, alerts and, and infinite scrolls and notifications and likes and collect data uh, on all these children. Uh, you know, this is all based on this whistleblower from a year ago, Francis Haugen. But listen, I wanted to add this. Look at the way China approaches the Internet. I mean, this is the way these attorney generals are, are moving, really. You know, uh, listeners are aware that in China, uh, if you're under age eight, you get 40 minutes a day on your mobile. If you're from 16 to 18, you get two hours. Uh, and nothing between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. Very sensible policies. Maybe the Americans will move in that direction. Yeah, and then if they did, the, the, the companies would then sue the government. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, but actually, I, I, talking of, of the U.S., Nitin, I think one of the more interesting things was to read this morning that uh, California has now barred um, some autonomous vehicles after having had a trial, and uh, that looks to me to be quite a good move, to be honest. I mean, I'm not very much in favour of autonomous vehicles, but uh, um, I think that sounds like a, a good move because it's making the, the streets, as it were, safer. Yeah, I think unless every single car is autonomous, it doesn't make any sense because once yeah. you've got human elements... Yeah. Um, they, they're going to go against what the autonomous truck vehicle mm. does, and that's mm. where you have the problem. That's yeah. right. And don't forget, you've got a, a big meeting of APEC, the uh, Asia-Pacific Economic Forum people, uh, going to be in San Francisco in about two and a half weeks' time. And I don't think they want to have that um, delayed or uh, overshadowed by crashes involving autonomous vehicles. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> That'd be quite a lot of yeah. fun. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people might participate in paying for it to happen. <laughs> um, I know, Barry, this might not be your topic, but it is a big topic in Hong Kong. We've got the uh, policy address coming up later, so I think I'll start with Stuart on that one. And what do you, do you think it's going to go far enough? I mean, $20,000 per child in Hong Kong and then maybe dropping the stamp duty. 
there's a there's a lot that the um, policy address could could cover. Um, I I continue, and I've said this probably every year for the last ten or fifteen years that I've been doing the program. Um, whenever the policy address comes up, there needs to be much more done to support the more than one million people who live below the poverty line in Hong Kong, and the uh, maybe half a million people who live in subdivided flats. Um, the, the property market in Hong Kong is, is still the most expensive or one of the most expensive in the world, and yet there are um, clearly hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who can't afford anything here, um, and nothing seems to be done. Every year, the government says they will do something about it. Even Xi Jinping has gone as far as to say it needs to do something about it. And yet next to nothing actually gets done about it. And, and it, it seems to be far more talk than action. And we need to see something um, from John Lee this time, um, a lot more substantial than perhaps has occurred in previous years, uh, to, to start to resolve both the subdivided flats problem and the poverty levels that we're seeing. Um, and, and I just would add that for anybody who walks around the streets of Hong Kong, whether it be in Wan Chai, Causeway Bay or, or Mong Kok or, or wherever, you still see people still sleeping on the streets at night. So, you know, we're one of the richest cities in the world and we still have that going on. So it, it, the evidence is there for all our eyes if we want it. Barry, do you have any thoughts? I mean, I know it's not necessarily your thoughts. No, I'm going to demur on that, but I will say this. Uh, even for whatever shortcomings may exist, you've got a functioning government, which is more than we can say in Washington. <laughs> One day you'll get there, Barry. One day you'll get there. <laughs> yes, this is possibly true. Okay, um, so we've got about 30 seconds left. Um, anything that we should look forward to? Uh, let's start with you, Barry, since you can answer the Hong Kong question. Right. I think uh, we have to look forward to this uh, auto strike coming to an end. Uh, this is all about um, competitiveness. The Detroit Three are going to shrink more because their wage structure is out of whack. And uh, I think there'll be a settlement, but they're going to get a 25% wage increase. That will only help Tesla and the transplants from Korea, China, Japan, Germany, etc. I hope it does happen. And Stuart, about 10 seconds. Well, the interesting thing is the removal of the defence minister in China, um, which is being reported as being a way in which to allow China and the US to have better dialogue as they go forward. So that seems to me that uh, that sounds rather positive rather than negative to me. All right. Well, that's all we have time for. So I'd like to thank both Barry and Stuart uh, for chatting with me this morning. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Nathan.